welcome, welcome back to Inesco Voices. My name is Ashford Somerville, and I'll be your host of Inesco Voices by NSN DC Baltimore. We are a group of professionals dedicated to excellence. You will hear and meet many sales professionals from a diverse background. We are a podcast dedicated to sales professionals by sales professionals. You will hear a range, you will hear a broad range of topics designed to give you an inside lens into sales professionals and access to resources to advance your career. Our objective is to give you, the listener, a platform to connect, gain usable insight between customers, between customer visits, and towards starting your day and to maximize your time in the field. My name is Ashford, and with me today I have... Good morning, good morning, Heather Gunn. How are you guys out there? You're doing well, going well. Thank you so much, Heather. Today's topic we're going to be talking about is preparedness for sustenance. And who better to cover that topic than our certified nutritionist, Miss Heather Gunn. How are you doing today, Heather? I'm feeling really good, Ashford. I mean, really good. I've been working on a lot of cool things to really support and sustain myself that I hope to share with everybody out there today to uh, maybe bring some uh, feelings of joy and contentment regardless of everything that's going on right now. I like that. I like that. And just so we get started, before we get started, I just want everyone to know NSN stands for National Sales Network. It is a 501c not-for-profit membership organization whose objective is to meet the professionals and develop needs of sales professionals, sales management professionals, and individuals who want to improve their professional sales skills. So without, uh, just to get right into the topic, uh, we talked about, you know, sustenance, preparedness, and focusing on nutrition. Heather, the first question I got about you is like, tell me about your role as a nutritionist. Yeah, absolutely. So nutrition has long been my passion, uh, along with the sciences and understanding the anatomy, physiology, the chemistry, the biology of the body, and how these these micro and macro molecules are working with the body Mm -hmm. and our biological processes. To make it easier, to make it simple for you guys to understand, I really like to see and, and understand how nutrients and foods work to optimize you to make you feel better Mm -hmm. so that you're just not getting up in the morning and saying, well, geez, you know, I don't have enough energy. How am I going to make it through the day? But you're getting up saying, oh my God, I have too much energy. What am I going to do with this throughout my entire day? I I, I love what you just said. I, I don't think anybody can refute the fact that you know, energy is key to performance and energy is a key to, uh, I guess, living the optimum life you want to have. So I think it's a thirst that we've all, for, well, specifically for me, I've always thirst for having clean, sustainable, great energy. Mm-hmm. I think we've all been through the highs and lows. Uh, when I say the highs and lows, I, I'm talking about like the energy spikes, the caffeine spikes. And I we've got into this off camera or off, um, offline, but we talked a little bit about uh, what's the term I just used. Um, I can't think of it all the time. Where you know you're you're using off something artificial compared to something real in regards to moderation. Yes, I felt that I was addicted to drinking. You know, nothing wrong with coffee. People who drink coffee, love it. I felt that you know I needed coffee for a long time in college because it would keep me up and keep me going, and not realizing it was causing a crash later on. And as I learned a little bit more about my nutrition, how my understanding how my body worked. Paid, played a big factor into how I prepared myself and what I really started doing to prep myself for that. So That's I think this subject matter is perfect. So can you tell me a little bit of how you grew your skills into developing your role as a nutritionist? Like what did you start doing to understand this? 
You know, with nutrition being a passion, first thing that I did was started diving into books and mm. magazines and articles. I looked at everything, any entertainment source, any magazine that I picked up um, from long ago when I was a kid. Mm. And then as an adult, I wanted to know, okay, what is this going to do for me as a young woman? It's always about weight, right? Weight and, and beauty and skin and hair and nails. But what are these nutrients going to do for me? Like at that semi-superficial level, I like to say, because we can go a lot deeper yeah. with how nutrients work within the body. After I then went to school, went through a master's degree program, I learned that there's more confident information to look at, mm -hmm. meaning more uh, authoritative resources that I could look at, primary literature that was concrete where research was done. And we've examined and, and observed how nutrients are used. And now this is valid and justified. So I started looking through uh, online resources such as PubMed. Um, I started going to my library. There's lots of information in your local library systems as well. Um, I went through a rigorous program, Ashford, I can't even begin to tell you hours and hours of research, of clinical roundtable studies, of working with patients directly, yeah. clinically, to see how they're performing before our meetings and then after. So I literally have thousands of hours of yeah. study and research and work that I put into this. And I thank you, and I think our listeners thank you. I want to speak for our listeners that we thank you for that insight, because I think a lot of people aren't aware of how valuable it is to have someone of your expertise and years to really give us that insight or inside a lens of what nutrition and what nutrition really is. Because we are bombarded with tons of, you know, I can go on my, my social media page and I can go on different magazines, like take this, take this, miracle this, this works. And you're really not sure, especially if you don't have a credible resource. So as you mentioned before, the master's program, you know, what would you tell our listeners just as you mentioned before, and I went through this as a young younger person as well, you're bombarded with so much information. Where should you look and where should you not look? Or where should you ignore and where should you not ignore? Is that, if that makes sense. Like, how do you filter out the mess? That's, That's a really much, that, good that, question. How do you filter out the mess? That's what I'm asking you. Well, I love that right now. Yeah. Just because of the preponderance of everything that's happening right now in the news and in the media on a daily basis, we hear one piece of information that changes within hours. Mm -hmm. And we're all contacting each other by either text or social media saying, hey, I heard that this can happen if you're exposed to this disease or this imbalance or this virus. Mm -hmm. And then another person completely negates that. So who's true? Who's factual? Who's exactly. right? We have to look for the person and that really has that authoritative voice that has walked the walk and talked the talk. The one thing that I do remind my listeners and family members, I want to say too, because I just had this conversation with some family members, um, is to go back to your resources. Yeah. It's free. It's online. I just did this the other day. When you go on PubMed, you can pull up literally any piece of information. You type in that search box. If you want to put in immune system and vitamin D, or you want to put a, a pull in, uh, put in uh, immune system and mm, echinacea or vitamin A, what have you, you name it, you can put it in that search box and it will pull up all the studies there that have been done over time so that you're not just pulling this from any resource and you're unsure, you want to fact check yourself. I like that. I like that. I think that's great uh, for our listeners, you know. Heather definitely mentioned the ability to use resources and to utilize your resources. And the more important emphasis is to have a credible source. So as you mentioned before, the PubMed is a great resource and having your background. Instead of just looking at hearsay or unfortunate memes or videos, I mean, there's times we all take a, I guess, a, 
a funny look at things, but this is very serious. It's affecting a lot of people. And I think more importantly, your nutrition, your body is absolutely your responsibility. I think that's been the overall messaging right now to the public, just to, you know, be mindful of yourself and how you can affect others. And I think that's just Definitely. our responsibility. So you have that right to yourself to do additional research. I um, do want to say that, that you're so accurate with that. It's about being accountable for yourself. You're your own locus of control. Mm-hmm. How much control do you really have? Well, we're all taking it. And I see you are too, because you've got Purell here. Yeah, you're doing I do. The next <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. You're washing your hands. I all am. of those things are great. Alcohol wipes, yeah. I love it. And and then, you know, what else can we do, Asher, beyond that? Yeah. There are other things that we certainly can do that are not being talked about. Well, we'll get into that. But I guess the first thing I want to kind of understand too is uh, I want to make sure I say this properly. Through these challenging times, I think we all lean on people that identify with us or look like us or connected to us. I'll be honest with you, through this whole national health crisis that we're going through right now, for a while, I had this, I don't want to say ignorance or lack of empathy, but because I didn't see anybody that looked like me thus far early on in the first phase, the first two weeks of it, I I didn't think it could affect me. So I'll put the example. I use this example instead. Um, if somebody told me what it felt like to be pregnant, I would never, I'll go over my head. I was like, yeah, yeah. You carry a baby around for eight to seven months. You know, yeah, don't answer that. yeah don't I'm not going to answer it, but that's just a bad example. But right. until you realize like, Oh, my mother had pregnancy. My future wife has a pregnancy. My, my sister, my daughter, then it's connecting, but I can still not feel it. So for me, as a while being not in the quote unquote at risk factor of this, um, this public health crisis, um, I never thought, Oh, you know, this is something that's going to affect me, even though I'm going to do my part, but I kind of stopped away from it. Then when I started seeing professional athletes get diagnosed, get test positive for it, and actors who look just like me, I was like, oh, they're younger than me. They're in mm-hmm. their optimum health, mm-hmm. and they're getting affected by this. Wow, this is something scary. So I really need to start being proactive of not doing it. And I unfortunately feel like the public has that. So when it comes down to representation about nutrition and understanding how important nutrition is, we talked a little bit about you know processes that you have to go through and all the information they're given. These are all driven by salespeople. These are all driven by marketers. Yeah. So where do you feel how do how how are minorities represented in this whole nutritional mindset, my nutritional sales, nutritional um, guidance mindset? Like do you see a lot of black or African American minority nutritionists? You touched on several yeah, critical, sorry, that was a long critically important topics I think all there. Talk together, yeah. and, and hopefully one day we can just delve into the depth of that because there's so much gravity with that. Mm. When you look at underrepresentation of certain minority and cultures within industries, that's really huge. It's prevalent. I want to step back really quickly, though, to touch on something that you said in terms of feeling like you um, were a little bit out of touch with the the disease and the virus that's going around right now because you don't see that representation or did not mm-hmm. initially yeah. when you look at disease and virus you know it, it, it doesn't have a face it doesn't have a gender yeah. awareness it doesn't have a, a sex or cultural awareness you know it, it doesn't discriminate in other words so we're all just um, exposed can be exposed yeah. to it regardless so I want to make sure that I point out that fact that it's something that we should definitely take highly 
into consideration and be at the forefront of our mind in terms of really optimizing ourselves so that we are prepared for sustenance in the long run. Um, So certainly we should take this um, as of critical importance. Um, When we did see athletes that were touched by this, unfortunately, that's when it really hit home. Mm -hmm. And I personally understand that because with nutrition, Um, And and with representation with nutrition, there's that relatability that we all gravitate towards. Who looks like me? Who acts like me? Um, Who has the same nuances as me? And so when you see an athlete that's exposed to something like this and dealing with this, been diagnosed, um, then it really drives that point home. Like, this matters. Hey, I really need to step up to the plate and do something to really support myself because I, too, can be a victim of this. Or cause somebody else who I who my loved one. I think that's the critical thing for me that hit me. And I love the fact that you said that. For me, it wasn't so much that how it was going to affect me. is the fact that we all have a grandmother, a mother, or an elderly loved one somewhere. Yeah. And I initially, uh, this is not me. This is not going to affect me. It's only affect. You know, I was like, oh, if I get in contact with then I can exp- potentially expose it to my loved ones. Oh, my goodness. And that's yeah. when I started taking a better look at it. I'm like, you know what? I love you, but I'm going to actually have just a video conference with you for a while. I don't need you to see me. I'd rather take that precaution. I guess it's been hard for a lot of people, but I've also seen a lot of, you know, ingenuity of people just being creative and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do to preventively stop this and stop the, I guess, whatever, cross-contamination or exposure. So social distancing yeah, at its best. Social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we have technology like this where we make sure we touch base with everyone and connect with everyone and make sure you guys understand. I mean, the world still has to move. I definitely believe in unfortunately times of chaos. There's also opportunities and ingenuity helps out. So being at the forefront of being on the side that combat this and change this is huge. So as much as, you know, fear is out there about the uncertainty, there's also opportunity. Absolutely. That's where I feel, you know, being in sales, understanding minority representation, having the connectivity to connect with your people or people who look like you Mm -hmm. is huge because that really does like present a presence in this. It's not just, you know, information from one side that you're not aware of. When I first got into nutrition um, and, and, and got into the classroom setting, in our classroom setting, let's say we had 20 people in our classroom, mm-hmm. uh, 19 of those people were female, one wow. was a male. Yeah. yeah. Um, 15 of those were, were Caucasian. Uh, And so, yeah, so then you've got the four left there that are Mm -hmm. African-American. So representation just from that standpoint in my classroom alone, it's a very small uh, subset of us there, our our, our own network there. When you look at the big picture, the macro level, when you look at representation with African-Americans, let's just focus on minorities with African-Americans specifically. Mm -hmm. Right now, we are at two 2.6% 2.6% representation uh, in the Dietetic Association. Wow. 2.6. Uh, 77% of that is Caucasian female. Wow. And and the and I love the fact that you said that because once people look at things at 2.6, you know, I'm going to just, out since we're on the whole concept of nutrition, when I was younger, my mom used to go to a grocery store, and I can't remember the brand, but it was a gallon of yellow drink. Or orange, sorry, orange drink. And it wasn't truly orange juice. I, and I want to give a brand name out there, but it's like orange drink. And I remember reading the side of it and it says less than 2% juices in here. 
And I never really understood, but it tasted like orange juice. Mm-hmm. It looked like orange juice. It was a gallon. I'm sure my mom bought it because it was more cost effective. Raising three three kids, you know, I was a grown boy. I, we went through that sucker. My mom would buy two of them at the time because we just go through them and we drink them like water. And I realized how great water was. But that thing said less than 2%, contains less than 2% juice. And with that subject and you showing like the volume of the population of African-Americans, Correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know the exact stats, but I know African-Americans suffer more from food deserts more than any other minority group that I know of. I mean, I'm just speaking primarily from African-Americans, meaning we don't have the option of healthy food choices in urban areas. Is that correct? Yeah. So education is key and representation representation is key. Uh, Our prior administration, Michelle Obama, was really big on, you know, educating the masses, especially minorities, about childhood obesity, so on and so forth. From all the reports I've been hearing thus far, and correct me if I'm wrong, the people who are mostly affected by this respiratory virus, coronavirus, those people who are com- compromised immune system or comorbidities that they have, such as diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, respiratory COPD, any form of things that could possibly compromise your immune system if you get in contact with this virus, the mortality rate is that much higher compared to somebody who has a relatively healthy um, immune system. And most of that immune system, correct me if I'm wrong, is mostly linked in your gut and your I'm not so that's everything. That's what we're seeing. That's yeah. what we're seeing. It, it's more of the non-communicable diseases. So like you're pointing out, diabetes, um, heart disease, cardiovascular disease. Um, if you've got any pre-existing conditions with really low immune system, immune system challenges and dysfunctions, then you're going to be um, uh, or more, more open, as we say, to um, uh, possibly being affected with something and having more of a challenge with dealing with that. And this is the exact segment of the population that we want to focus on. When you look at the African-American population, well, who has the highest amount of non-communicable diseases? Look at the African-American population with diabetes and with cardiovascular risk um, being higher in in our population. We certainly want to talk to our culture and talk to our people, like you said, your grandmother, your families, your friends, etc., to point out the significance of focusing on this right now, taking this into your control and saying, hey, if you're at a grocery store, which we all are, buying Mm -hmm. toilet paper and paper towels, let's also focus on having healthy diet. Like when I was in the grocery store, Ashra, a week ago, all of the cereals, and I mean the Lucky Charms, and the Fruity Pebbles, and I can't even name them all, were off the shelf. That's the last thing. I call that quarantine snacks. And we call it snacks. I'm serious. Yeah. That's the last thing that I want to see off the shelf. I want to see, you know, the produce and um, the whole food, the... um, the meats and the fish or, you know, the proteins, the good, clean, organic, wild, grass-fed meats and the most organic that you could possibly get of your produce. I want to see those things flying off the shelf. So in other words, don't shop in the middle of the supermarket in the aisles. I want you to shop around the perimeter of the supermarket where everything is a, a lot fresher. Great, great. And, I, and, I, and I've heard that adage before, and I think that makes perfect sense. You know, if things can have a long shelf life, that means it's not the best for you because it kind of sits in your digestive tract the same way compared to things that have a shorter shelf life, you know, if they have more nutrients in there. But um, I do appreciate you what you just said because I think that's just a great public service announcement. Um, as a woman, 
of color in this role and in this industry. How do you transition from you know your passion being clinically uh, understanding nutrition and then kind of transition that more into the face of the industry or doing that within sales into a, like a uh, a um, a medical space? Like how do you transition from the passion of just talking to people and now being able to transfer that information from my, your passion now to start selling it as a asset for a medical facility like a physician's office or a clinic? You know, I personally felt as though it, it, the the gravity of the information, the weight of the information that I needed to share is mm-hmm. so important to the public and the masses that it's incumbent upon me to take the small bit of information I know and have um, and share it to people that can broadly educate others. Yes. That's where I transferred my passion. So I took it from um, an individual level of working with patients directly to then working with uh, doctors and physicians and businesses, pharmacies, hospitals, and really teaching them about product and services that I was working with in sales, educating them and having them transfer that information to help, to heal, and to really bring more fortification and joy and Mm -hmm. optimism to their patients, which... I felt was so much more gratifying to me because now I've leveraged myself, not from just my office and clinical perspective, but I've used other people yeah. to spread that awareness and that education. So now I feel like I'm helping not one at a time, but hundreds at a time. I like that. And, I, and there's an old uh, biblical sense about, you know, one, two people can help out a thousand, sorry, one person can help out a thousand, but two people can help out 10,000. And I think that approach is what you've done within sales of, uh, you know, really going to the call points or going to the key points um, who can disseminate that information out to the mass. Because right now, a lot of people are unsure, but at the end of the day, if they go to their physicians, they go to their colleagues at work, they go to their uh, the healthcare provider, if that information is then presented to them, they feel more concrete about it compared to all the messes out there. I think right now, we have so much, so many different forms of mediums to get information it's really hard to disseminate what is good and what's not. We always don't listen to your cousin Jane next door and we always don't listen to your friend at work, but at the end of the day, you've got to trust the experts because they're the ones that's guiding us for that. They're the one that told us about the social distancing. And you know, as we know, some people are doing it, some people are not. Unfortunately, the people who are not, not to put shame on them, but you know, you have to take responsibility about the, the, the impact you have on this world. We always talk about social impact or climate change. And these are all the things we all kind of have to make adjustment for. So I thank you for pointing that out. Very um, nicely said, I must say. <laughs> thank you for saying that because we must take heed, of yeah. course, to these experts that are guiding and telling us exactly what we need to be doing. Um, and having you and I here and, and speaking about this right now really does support that relatability with our community yes. and trusting that information that Absolutely. we're reiterating. No, thank you. And, I, and that's why I take pride in this because we are doing our best to meet you, our listeners, where you are to make sure we're resourceful. Um, now, with that being said, with everything that's going on in our climate, let's kind of flip the page and kind of look towards the future. What does the future look like for minorities, specifically minority women in the medical laboratory and nutritional cell? What, do you, what would you say? What's that look like? I would say that the sky is limitless. <laughs> the sky isn't even the limit. Um, let's even go past and beyond the galaxies. Uh, you know, I think there are, as we've discussed in, in, in many um, seminars and, and, and many uh, group discussions, 
there are barriers, but then there are uh, perceived barriers. Mm -hmm. And we have to learn to uh, identify which, what is there and what is uh, within us that we can certainly change. And one thing that I really like in terms of what I'm doing right now and presenting is being a relatable source for other African-American women and minorities that are coming up right behind me. I've served as a mentor for many African-American women that are coming through nutrition mm. and working with supplements, helping them to understand that this is a field where we are needed. Yeah. That relatability is huge. When you're speaking about looking at someone that culturally understands yeah your dynamic, um, your progress through your life, your your culture, your family norms. Um, there's a lot to be said about understanding a person's cultural identity as it relates to their body image and as it relates to their cultural norms and traditions. When as an African-American woman, I can understand that, I can now tailor yeah. my recommendations to what you need. We need that network of professional African-American women to strengthen ourselves so that we can together support other African-American women that need these resources, that need these treatment options that we can give them. So when I say the sky is limitless, I really mean that we have so much to our advantage and that we're credible and we're knowledgeable and we're intellectual and we can take all of that and really transform the minds and the health yeah. of many other people and families. Well said. That's our has Heather Gunn off our executive board this year. And this is one of the reasons why I love this organization. I love doing what I do within this organization. You have access to such great, phenomenal uh, people with great insight. And I, I, I'm very passionate about this as, as well. For me, I feel there's not been a place at the table for a long time. Not been a lot of representation. And we've suffered in pain. Uh, I don't know the exact stats, so I don't want to quote this. But I've heard recently that there more, there's a higher mortality rate for African-American women through childbirth, through just going through the whole healthcare system based on the level of, you know, um, higher pain tolerance, lack of resources, so on and so forth. I mean, that's a whole nother topic, but just the fact that you said representation, being able to connect, being able to connect culturally of somebody and say, oh, I have a stomach ache, what's wrong? Oh, I have a pain ache, what's wrong? Oh, I have a migraine, what's wrong? There's a big difference between a migraine and a headache. And it. some people just don't know that because, you know, oh, my head hurts. Where does it hurt? Does it hurt in the front, the back, all around? Is your temperature increased? And I think when you're able to talk to somebody culturally and say, okay, I can probe a little bit deeper, you're able to give them better help on the long run. So I, I love what you just said about, um, you know, connecting with someone culturally. My next question to you is, you know, what words of wisdom would you offer to support um, a woman who wants to begin a career within, you know, nutrition or laboratory sales and nutrition. How, how would you, how, what words of wisdom would you give a, a young lady who was of minority descent and trying to get into this field or want to get into this field? Yeah. So with nutrition, this is, it's, it's a labor of love in, in many ways and aspects, especially when you're beginning and you're just getting your, your feet on the ground and, and running. But I will say that with, when you've got passion and when you've got drive, that labor of love becomes just something that's so enjoyable. So follow that passion 
Don't let that go. And that passion will take you wherever you want to be in life. Just follow that and look for a good mentor. Yep. Good mentor. I, I love that. And I think what's, can you give me a good opportunity or a good place for a good mentor? Where would you find a good mentor? NSN all the way. I cannot even, you know, scream that from the top of my lungs loud enough. It has been the most amazing place to find a network of people to support you. Gotcha. Good. And I, I second that for, uh, for all our listeners, just so if you want to get connected to NSN, uh, we have multiple forms of how to connect with us. The first one is through our LinkedIn, which is National Sales Network, NSN DC Baltimore. We're also connected on Instagram, which is NSN DC Baltimore. Our Facebook is NSN DC Baltimore chapter. We have a Twitter, which is NSN DC underscore Balt. YouTube, which is National Sales Network DC Baltimore. And if all else fails, you can always go to our website, which is salesnetwork.org forward slash DC Baltimore. Again, Heather, thank you so much for chiming in on our podcast this week. If there were five things you could tell um, our members that you feel would be good takeaways for today, what are five characteristics would you say or acronyms that you can uh, tell our members? You know, do you mind if I add a little bit of a twist on sure, this afterward? Because of the, the um, uh, in light of everything that we're dealing with right now, in terms of um, wellness and immune system, I yeah. want to give five takeaways to re- to support your immune system, to give of you course. more robustness, if that's okay with you or our audience out there. But I do want to say, of course, washing your hands is first, um, using hand sanitizer, as we already spoke about at the beginning of this, but looking at your vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all significantly, especially in African-American communication, very low, critically low in vitamin D. Get your vitamin D in. You've got to, people. Um, look at your zinc levels, too. That's a huge one um, for people. If uh, you don't know what it is, eat more oysters, things like that. Uh, vitamin C. Not that vitamin C juice that you were drinking that yeah. your mom bought you, but let's get some real like fruits and veggies with good vitamin C in them as well. Um, that's always really good. And then your vitamin A too, like if you're eating cod liver oil. Now you remember that one. Yeah, I do. <laughs> good fish oil. Oh, those are, those are great, great <laughs> insight. Thank you so much, Heather, for coming in again. Guys, please check us out. Please look for us in upcoming podcasts and for more information. Thank you guys so much, and we'll look forward to our next podcast. Thank you.